0: We are going to have a little bit of a different morning this morning. Now, I don't say that like we're going to do something crazy, but that uh, um, we're going to have a conversation, right? Even I'm sitting down, like that's a little strange, at least um, for me. Um, We have a church that loves to preach faithfully the Word of God, and we've got great preachers, teachers, and I love to teach, but there comes times when you just need to have like a community conversation. Right? We just need to connect as a body, as a family, and say, where are we at and where are we going? Right? And we're going to engage the lectionary, and we're going to weave some of that in, but it's not going to be three points in a poem. And I never really have three points, and I'm not sure I get poetry anyway, so that's not going to be anything new. But in an intentional way over the last few months, our journeys have kind of connected in a little more intentional way. Um, Dan Meyer and Bill Clark approached me two, maybe three months ago, and said, Eric, we know we've had a little bit of a roller coaster with our 9 o'clock community. Would you have an interest or a passion to help provide some pastoral leadership there and um, just help in this season? And it didn't take long before I said absolutely, because this is my worship community, and I've been in it with you. And uh, and so we're going to go back, and I just think it's important for you to know who I am a little bit. I know many of you, but I just want to share a little bit of my story, because I think— It's important for you to understand my heart and passion for the local church, my heart and passion for you, what I pray for, for you every week. Um, And then for us to reflect, kind of as the scriptures always do, if you read the Old Testament, even the New Testament, they're always going back, telling the story, remembering where they've been, understanding where they're at, so they know where they go next. And so that's kind of what we're going to do today. And we're going to couch it in this whole idea and theme of a pilgrimage. And with Thanksgiving coming up, it's kind of fun to talk about pilgrims, and I kind of miss dressing up like a pilgrim. But you know, our series graphic, we're talking about being rooted, right? Rooted. And I think this is a good time for us to talk about what are our roots? What are we cultivating? Because ultimately, we want to grow and serve to provide a harvest that God can use for his glory on this earth. Amen? Amen. Okay, you'll remember that I'm like interactive, right? So you're going to have to participate with me. So let me share a little bit of my story. There's a few quotes that have been um, particularly meaningful to me. Um, one is, says this, there's nothing like the local church when the local church is working right. I was on staff with the church in Ohio, and this was the favorite quote of the senior pastor there. And he would remind us all the time when things were going really well, and we were seeing the impact that God was able to have through at least our congregation there. He'd say, guys, remember, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. And as churches and you know, happens that you hit some of those rough times as well. And he reminds us, said, there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. And there's nothing that stinks more when it's not working right. And so, like, that was a rally cry for him. And, and it, that took a spot in my heart. There's another pastor north of here, a fairly large church. I think they have lots of willows and a few creeks on their property. Um, he says, the local church is the hope of the world. And I've been fortunate to travel in several co- continents, and i've come to believe that as well because the local church is the hope of the world one of your summer lights that preached in here professor at northern seminary said the church is god's a plan to spread his rule and his glory here on earth and so when we gather every week we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves that we gather to be formed so that god can use us to be a blessing and to spread right we just prayed it that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven that's what we're all about. And these quotes have really come to shape me. I grew up in the church, and I would say quite literally, I grew up in the church. My mom was the secretary there for um, how many years? 30? How? Huh? 23 and a half, we'll say 30. We'll round it up. No. <laughs> but uh, the, my parents are in from Ohio. Guys, give a little wave. Um, they had to go to all those baseball games. Now they're going to hear sermons. Uh, my dad, we had a home improvement business. And so he was, um, you know, when you have a church of about 200 people, anything that needs fixed, any building project, right? He sold every position other than senior pastor uh, at the church. And so literally what that means is we unlocked the church. We closed the church. Anything time something needed to be done, we were at the church. Like literally, I lived at the church. It was very much a part of my life, and it was very good. It shaped me and for me, and cultivated a passion for even what we're doing today. Um, after I graduated, um, I went to college, I went to Ohio University, and um, the great theological institution that that is. Um, but uh, I got involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You know, what's funny, I'm being recruited by really lots and lots of schools, and one of the questions I was asking them is, what kind of, like, um, do you have any sports ministries on campus? Like, what churches are in the area You know, and and as a baseball guy or anything you do, you're like, at some point, you've seen it all, you've heard it all. And I had coaches kind of look at me like, are you serious? Like, you want to know, like, what churches are here? Like, we're trying to recruit you to a baseball team. But uh, anyway, OU was where I was at. I got involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was there I met this uh, girl that had just amazingly big, hairsprayed hair with flannel shirts and cowboy boots. She's a little more refined now, sweetie. Uh, Sue Ann. You know, I remember the first meeting she came to at FCA. Um, she was wearing her flannel shirt, cowboy boots. I can still see it. And, uh, and I'm a couple years older. I was the president of the organization at that time. And I made it because hospitality is so important to make my way over and introduce myself to this young freshman and uh, even manipulated a prayer group so she would be in my prayer group when we broke up. <laughs> after the meeting. Um, So some of you'd say that's kind of sick, but I think it was just the spirit nudging me in that direction. Um, Anyway, I digress. Um, But you know, my faith continued beyond kind of those formative years into taking ownership for myself. I was fortunate to play in the Yankees organization. I was involved with Baseball Chapel, right? And really understanding how God gives you time, talents, and treasures to be invested for the kingdom. And whatever platform you have, it's used, you need to invest, right? To be his witness of his life-changing love. And so I learned that. And ultimately, it was a few years um, after that, we went on staff with Athletes in Action Sports Ministry. I was traveling to Europe. And uh, again, I've got some of these quotes that I shared earlier banging around in my head. And so Ann and I, we were taking the college baseball guys, a whole team to Europe uh, for a couple summers, playing in tournaments, developing baseball in different countries. And, uh, and we had some really amazing ministry. But what I found, I found God during that time ignited a passion almost in the form of a holy discontent for the local church during that time because we really did have some cool ministry happen. But what we struggled with was to get our in-country staff with Athletes in Action to really partner with us, and we hardly, we were only able to find one that I can remember, local church, and all of these countries we were in, and all of these cities and towns and villages that would like were wanted to partner with us. There was such apathy in the church. Local church was anemic all throughout Western and Central Europe, at least that we encountered. And it bothered me because sometimes there were hundreds, even thousands of people who were either expressing, you know what, I'm making a first-time decision for Christ, or I want to grow on my faith, I want to know more. And we wanted to hand these to the local churches because the local church is the hope of the world. There's nothing like it when it's working right. To grow these people up to disciple them because we're off to another country. We're just a catalyst. But they didn't really want to have anything to do with it. And it bothered me to my core, even to the point of, like, we don't even need to go to these places if the local church is not going to, like, partner with us. Like, it really bothered me. And so um, that stirring ultimately led us, leaving Staff with Athletes in Action, going on Staff with a church in Ohio, um, which is where I was before our next stop, which is here, coming up on eight years but at that church, it was really to help shift the philosophy of ministry, how we did discipleship, how we did ministry. And that kind of began the next big season, at least for me. But it was all because of this passion for the local church. And so my holy discontent, which really kind of gets my dander up, is when um, we see churches that are anemic or churches that are just ingrown, you know, churchianity, our programs and our services, like, it's all, like we're in, almost in love with ourselves. Like, churches that are like that, to me, are too small, right? There's too little transformation. There's too little vision and focus for the kingdom of God. And like um, um, Harvey Carey preached last week. How many of you heard Harvey last week? Man, that guy can bring it, huh? All right, walk, I should, like, march all over the stage and, like, yell. But, um, but remember when he talked about the churches in Detroit? Detroit is in a miserable state, right? Education's, like, I mean, everything is just bad, And there's more churches per person than any other major city in America. Like, to me, that makes me sick to my stomach, because a church should be there transforming its community, right? And so, kind of these lifeless churches, and, and I'm not even talking about, when I say small faith, small, I'm not talking about numbers. You can have a church of 50 that's alive and impacting, having an impact far beyond themselves. But it's those the ingrown church that really bows down to individualism, consumerism, successism, elitism, like kind of all these isms that plague us. And they live here too, right? Because this is the culture we swim in. When those take root in a church, like it just bothers me. But on the other side of that, you've got kind of what these quotes I shared earlier represent. And my heart for the local church, my heart for us, is that we would be a thriving community that realizes transformation both here and when we go. Amen? I mean, if you are connected here for any length of time, my hope and prayer is that you begin to change. God loves us too much for us to remain the same. So if you are with this family for any point of time, I hope what you experience, I hope what you learn, I hope how you learn to invest your life, it impacts you and it changes your family to be healthy and whole in all the best ways. And when that happens, it begins touching every sphere around you. Now we're God's kingdom A plan for his glory. Does that resonate? Do you share any of that? Well, I want to go back a little bit because we've had a little bit of a roller coaster of a year. Really, the last 10 months has been a little bit of a a challenge. I mean, think about it. We lost um, a very significant relationship in terms of our worship leadership, right? We moved times, which that was an easy one. We could always navigate that. But we also moved location, right? We went from the sanctuary. There's a Frasier episode of Frasier where... This, you know, old lady is like, she's like, no, God lives in the church. Like, it was almost like we were leaving God in some ways, going from that sacred space to, to this place, right? We introduced video, which was tough. And we were used to having our senior pastor preach to us almost every week. Now it's part of a teaching team, right? <laughs> and, uh, and Dan has a great message. I heard it last night. You should hear it. But... Um, <laughs> I'm not like helping my cause here. But, um, but I get it. And I don't know if you know, but behind the scenes, I was kind of waving the red flag saying, you know, in most churches, when you move the pulpit six inches, I mean, you almost have a mutiny. When you put all those things that happened, and it impacted this community unlike any other community we have in the church. Right? Like it shook us. And when you face those challenges... Right? It reveals what's good, what's good that's been forged in us, and it reveals the stuff that's maybe not so good in us. And we've weathered it. But you know what? Today, we're in a different place than we were a handful of months ago. Do you feel like we're in a different place? I mean, we've turned some corners, we've made some course corrections along the way, which is what we need to do, but we're in a different place. And I'm excited because I also think we're heading our trajectory, we're heading somewhere that maybe we've not been before as a community. Because for the first time, we're one church, right? And we'd always say we're one church that exists in different kind of worship expressions. But now we're saying we're one church. We've got the same mission and value across the board. But we kind of gather in different congregations. And when we start speaking to the congregations, now we open ourselves up to listen to what God's doing here and now and what we need to do to continue to grow into this mission and vision that God has given us. And 2HC will do their thing, and our classic communion service on Sunday night will do theirs, and Saturday, like we're tied together, but we're now freed up to talk about this family and what we're doing here, which I think is going to be hugely exciting. You know, sometimes they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and there's a picture that's kind of captured my heart. Throw it up there. This was at Navy Pier, and actually my parents were in, I think, for this picture as well. Um, this was at Navy Pier, and I just want you to look at it for a second. Just kind of take it in and, and and see what you observe. When I looked at this, and if this is my home screen on my or my wallpaper, whatever you call it, on my laptop. So I look at this a hundred times a day um, for the last probably five months. Um, you see, people are engaged. Most people are engaged with something. Either they're with one another talking about it. You see. People. That's my daughter, Sadie, is the next one after the boy. She's looking at some ship over there. Um, you know. And when you look through the telescopes, right, we amplify it. right. So whatever's going on around us, when we look through the telescope, we make it even bigger. We blow it out of proportion. right. And so you've got all of these things happening, but people are kind of consumed with what's around them, immediately around them. And then there's Clay. That's my son wearing the Ohio University hat, who crushed Miami of Ohio yesterday, by the way. Corey McQuaid was sitting right there. He's a Miami guy, and he left to be with his kids. I'm sure he knew that I was going to bring that up. But, um, um, but I'm looking at Clay, and I'm thinking, like, what's he looking at? And so I asked him. I said, buddy, come here. Do you remember this? He said, yeah, yeah, Dad, I remember. I'm like, what are you looking at? And I want to read it so I don't goof it up. He said, Dad, he goes, I don't know. I guess I was looking at something I can't see yet. I guess I was looking at something I can't see yet. So if you hang around my son, you'll know that he has a strong affinity with Yogi Berra and the things that he says. Um, but I think he was revealing the heart of a pilgrim and the heart of an adventurer in what he said. Because he's looking out on the horizon. You know, he's, not, he's looking like whatever that channel is and whatever is way out there on the horizon. That's what he's looking at. But he's looking at it at something that he can't see yet. You know, the definition of faith that the book of Hebrews give us, gives us, it says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not See. And I think it's easy to focus on the drama around us and sometimes miss that God is calling us to a pilgrimage, taking us somewhere that maybe we just can't fully see yet. And whenever you're connected to God, there's always a sense of mystery. Our lectionary kind of keys in on this same topic. And so we're going to hit this a little bit, but I encourage you to go back and read the lectionary passages. But Psalm 84. Um, I think reveals this pilgrim's heart. Listen to these first few verses. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Can you just feel the pull of that? I mean, this is a true worshiper, right? And this is a true worshiping community that cries out, faints, that just yearn to worship and to be in the presence Of the Right? I've seen that in your hearts as well. I mean, I watch, and I listen, and I talk with many of you. This is a community passionate about worship. And whether you're on cloud nine and everything's going right, you're pulled to live more deeply into these verses. And when you're at the bottom, right, and you feel like you don't even want to get up for another day, there's something down deep within you that's still pulling you to realize these verses in your life, because God has planted eternity in the hearts of men the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us, right? We're pulled to worship. But then that takes a little bit of a twist. Verse five says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, Lord, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. See, when we seek God that desperately and that intimately, we find that we actually don't live through ourselves. We live through the Lord. Our strength comes from him and our hearts begin to shift. Our sight begins to shift on a pilgrimage, on something that we can't yet Maybe fully see. You know, pilgrimage, if you're going to look it up, says it's a, long, it's a long journey. It's a journey, especially a long one, to some sacred place for as an act of religious devotion. I forget which dictionary. It described pilgrimage this way. He said, they said it's a journey to a special or an unusual place. When I think about the local church, I think we have an invitation to go on a pilgrimage to a special and unusual place that so few people experience and so few churches as a community go to together. And I think it's easy for us to get sucked in and to settle for something far less than to look at something that we just can't quite see yet. If you go on and read the rest of the lectionary passages, you're going to find that in Jeremiah, it's going to find it's a great confessional passage. Because when you connect with God, we're exposed, but we just kind of live more humbly. And we're going to, like our sight, our vision is going to get sucked into looking through the telescope at some, we're going to blow something out of proportion, or we're going to get caught up over here. And we need those course corrections, and we need to be a confessional community that says, you know what, God, I'm sorry, lead us forward. Lead me forward. And then Luke, we see the prayer of the Pharisee and the tax collector, but we see a posture of surrender, even in how we pray together, that we're just surrendering to God, surrendering to one another, and saying, God, lead us, Right? And how do we do that with one another, linking arms with one another? And so I think what our lectionary is encouraging us and what these verses are saying to us, I think we have this slide. But I just, I'm a what if guy. I'm always asking what if. Like I listen to even Dan's messages and I say, so what? Like what does it mean? Like what do we do with this? And I was just wondering, like what would it mean if we actually were a community desperately seeking God? What if we were on a pilgrimage with a mission bigger than ourselves? What if we had a spirit of collected surrender both to God and to one another? And what if we were investing our lives as we link arms with one another to just glorify God and expand his kingdom on earth? You've got these little cards um, all around you. I've got more that we can have. Um, I, li- I wanna get a card back from every single one of you in the next couple weeks. You can give it to me today if you have it. But it's just on our horizon, I see. If we were to be that kind of community that's described on that slide, seeking God, right, that we were on a pilgrimage, we're part of something bigger than ourselves, we were humble, humbly surrendering to God and to one another, and we were investing our lives here, what would you see on our horizon? Literally, what would we do together? What would we experience together? I left it blank because it's wide open. But I think it would be fun over the next few weeks to just introduce or share some of the things that God is putting on your hearts as we're connected as a congregation and as a family here together. For me, um, there were a few things as I've been praying and observing that I think are some of our early next steps. These will just be the early ones because, right, it's a journey. It's a long journey to a special and unusual place. But some of the things I think we'll be doing or what would characterize us is that we're going to be a formed community, right? We're going to be a formed community. What we do together and the fact that we are together needs to have an impact on our life. And what we do outside of here, how we live as followers of Jesus, contribute to what we bring in here together. And when we're together, it sends us back out to live more fully as a follower of Jesus. And so, you know, as growth grow ministry, that's kind of the world I live in. We have kind of the step, you know, that we'd be a community formed in step. And so, um, you know, we talk about sight for the pathway, Right? That's that vision that we were talking about. Where am I and where am I going? That we're continuing to live this um, um, journey of awareness with where we're at. And then from there, we're intentional with how we're, the, the training practices, the disciplines, the rhythms we put in our life. We're intentional with those so that we can nurture our faith relationship. Right? And we know that there's areas of growth. Right? Whether it's finances or relationships or parenting or you name it. Like, there's always room to grow. And so we realize that how we live actually matters and impacts our faith journey as well. So we're seeking to live healthy and whole. We're equipping ourselves to live wisely. And we know that we don't do it alone. God never designed us, this, this faith thing, to be just personal to me. This is why we gather, right? We need to learn to read Scripture with community eyes, not just individual eyes, that we do it with others. That's why I'm so excited with the lectionary, because when you've got a training practice, every week we have verses, That we can, in partnership, we can talk about what we're reading and sharing and learning. Like we're trying to give you tools so that you can do this. Um, And if you don't know how to do it or you're not sure where to start, talk with one of your friends that you see who seem to be living this way. Ask them what they're doing. Ask them what maybe you could do. Um, We have a whole new community that we formed or kind of reformed. That's a big deal, Reformation. It's Reformation Sunday today. But the contact community had a great run. Right, And then over the years, we had some changes, but now we're kind of launching what we're just calling the Next Step Community. It's a community dedicated, just helping people to take those next steps, to live into that site, training, equipping, and partners. It's kind of a fluid community that you come, you continue the conversation, but then you're going to connect with others, and you're going to find partners for the journey, and we're going to be intentional about encouraging those training practices. And it meets at 1045. If you don't have a place where you're connected, or you're wondering, how can I be more intentional to take those steps? I'm just saying, go to the next step, community. And in fact, um, we're going to have a little gathering um, on the tenth. You no, know, I'm going to save that because that's like my big final concluding point. See, I get so excited, I just like run ahead of myself, right? So anyway, we want you to grow. So if you're not sure, like, don't just say I don't know what to do and don't do anything. Like, let us in partnership together, link arms. Let's let's grow together. Um, second. I think we need to be a community of shared ownership. It's easy in a place with a lot of resources that we hire kind of the people to do everything around us. I think community gets rich when we all have skin in the game. And so my vision is that we would be a giving, serving community in a variety of ways. And some of the early ways that we can connect are going to be through things like hospitality or helping people connect or start here. Um, Maybe it's through helping with coffee on the back of that little card that I said I want to get back from every single one of you. With what you see on the horizon, on the back you have just a few simple ways. I think we can build a great care network here. You know, that doesn't have to be centralized and, you know, we have people visiting us that we don't know. That's great. But what if actually we were able to care for one another in a more intentional way? And what if prayer became not just a piece of our service, but what if prayer started to just permeate what we did together? We prayed up front here today. Did anyone see that? This was going to be our rhythm from here on out, that if even you have a heart for prayer, you can just come up and be a part of us as we talk through the service, but we're just going to lift up this service in prayer to God and just ask Him to lead us and guide us. But if you have a heart to be even part of a prayer community, I'd invite you to do so, and I'd like Carla Peer to come up. Carla serves on our prayer and care ministry. Carla is a pilgrim in this community. Would you say that? Uh, Definitely. But I asked Carla just if she would share, just for a minute or two, just she wrote me this great email. She's like, Eric, here's some of the ways that I think God could use prayer in the life of the community. And not just use it, but it gets in us. So I'm going to be quiet and let you just share.
1: Okay, great. Um, yeah, I, th- that's, what, that's what I would like to see in this group on, uh, on the, at this 9 o'clock service. I, I've thought about some of the great messages we've had over the last few weeks. Uh, Mike encouraged us to want more from God and of God. And uh, last week, Harvey really challenged us about the light Christ has put in each each of us, bringing it into the darkness around us to dispel the darkness. And then today, Eric has, I feel encouraged in being transformed. The subtle problem I I find myself falling into is it it suddenly becomes Carla's self-improvement project. And God gets sidelined. His power gets sidelined. His presence gets sidelined. And I forget that he has offered unimaginable power for us to do all the things that we're encouraged to do. Um, I think another problem I, I have is that we have so many rich resources. We have doctors and medical personnel and lawyers and financial counselors and uh, teachers and count therapists and pastors.
0: Pastors. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I sideline God continually, because in our culture, we're so used to going to those experts first, and I, I miss out on that potential power. Um, the Bible is full of stories of people who very humbly and consistently said, "Help. Help me." Um, and God and God showed up. I think another problem I face sometimes is. Um, uh, In in our culture, it seems somehow needy to pray all the time and to need God so much. And yet that's our personal story for each one of us. So what would it be like to have a community where we were encouraged to turn to God first for help, for healing, for deliverance, for restoration, for wisdom, for discernment, for unimaginable power and potency in our daily lives that we we never even tap into because we forget or we've been disappointed. We can sideline God and the future of potential power in our life by disappointments with him from the past. So just like there's a story in the Mm -hmm. Bible about people calling out to God, there is a consistent story of God's invitation to each one of us to come, to call on him, to listen to him, to seek him, and he will do great and mighty things. So my dear sisters and brothers, the problem is we can't do great and mighty things for each other. That only happens with and in him, but we need each other to seek that in our future days. So that's my invitation to come and. Thank you come and pray. Uh, some ideas for prayer we have are, um, first of all, there's always someone in that corner, at least one person every, every week, if you would like prayer before you leave this place. Can I jump in? Yeah.
0: I've talked with Rick Glyman.
1: Yep.
0: Right? Back to the banners, right? This is like the <laughs> crowning achievement of my mark on Christchurch are these banners. But we're going to get one for prayer that we're going to put on, you know, one of these other sides. And, you know, I've connected with Rick because we want to say, hey, if you're new like, we want to share more, but we also want to say some of you have just it's been a tough week or it's been a tough season that every week we're elevating. We're giving people opportunity to connect with others to pray. Right. And so we'll, we'll figure out what this looks like. Right. We know where we're looking. We've got to figure it out. But right. but we're going to like prayer is going to be a part of who we are and what we what we do. Right.
1: right. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you, Carla. <laughs> So just two more short little points, I think. So we're going to be a formed community. We're going to be a community that really shares the ownership and lifts one another up. We're going to be a community that shares its stories. Part of why I wanted to share my story for you is because we're, we, we get closer and we know each other's stories. And so when, whether it's in our small groups and our partnerships or maybe you're grabbing coffee, like we need to share our stories, but I don't know what it's going to look like, but we need to share more stories from up here to witness of that life-changing love of what God's doing in our lives, right? I think now all of a sudden when you see Andy or you see Michelle or you see one of them just like sharing just this, what God's doing, whether it's good or maybe it's just a tough season, right? Our stories bind us together, right? God wrote an amazing story and we're in it. So we need to tell those stories. And so I'd even be interested. If you have ideas on how we should share stories, let me know that as well. And then lastly, we're gonna be a connected community and that's where I was even sharing. You know, I'm a potluck junkie. I mean, it breaks my heart that we're at a church so big that it's hard to do potlucks. And even with health codes, like, you know, 10 uncovered green bean casseroles could be hazardous to our health in some way. But I think we just need to connect and gather. And so on November 10th, we're just going to do a community gathering. We did some of these in neighborhoods a few years back, but we're just going to do one for the nine o'clock community. The next step community is going to host us. We'll be in the student center Right downstairs, we're going to take care of your kids if you have them, but literally we're going to eat food, we're going to connect and share some stories, and we're going to talk about, continue that conversation on what some of the next steps are, but it's just going to be fun. We're going to hang out for an hour, and you get to know and meet some other people that maybe you see or you talk to. We might even have name tags, so we can call each other by name, right? It's going to be simple, but I think it's going to be good, and we're going to find ways that we can just gather a little more often just to build those relationships. Well, we're at, our, we're at the end um, and we're going to continue this conversation, but I guess the question I have for you is, do you want to go on a pilgrimage? Is there a pilgrimage in our sight? Because we're turning some corners, and I'm excited where we're at, and I think God is calling us to say, hey, look, you may not be able to see it yet, but find your strength in me, set your heart on a pilgrimage, and you're going to be amazed at where you end up. I'm in it with you. I'm excited. Amen. Amen. Let me pray, and we'll have our band come back up. Father, um, we just give you praise. I mean, that in and of itself, that would be enough. You are our God, and you're worthy of praise. And there's something amazing that happens when your people gather their hearts together and worship of you. So we just thank you for this time. Thank you that we could just have a conversation that we could just share a little more of ourselves. Thank you for even some of those early steps that we'll take to deepen our experience together. But God, lead us. Give us discernment. Give us wild visions of what you want to do in and through the people of this community. Nine o'clock contemporary fellowship hall, investing their lives to build a thriving community where we just will never be the same again. God, we lay this at your feet. And all God's people said, Amen. amen.